Good morning. My name's Alistair, if you don't know me. And um, I head up the uh, CAP Job Club that meets uh, here at Maltings as part of the Christians Against Poverty uh, ministry that we have. Now, most of you will know about that. Well, here we have um, Job Club. But uh, what I'd like to do, first of all, is just run a quick video which explains a bit about what Job Club does. So if we could have that, Julia. When I became unemployed, it, it's, it's that shame factor. That was the big barrier for me. I felt quite ashamed. After I found that I was not being shortlisted for jobs, I was competing against many people with um, similar or more suitable backgrounds. You feel like you lose your skills as well, the longer you start to work. I felt very disempowered. Our job club aims to give people the skills and confidence to get back into the world of work. We do this by running dedicated sessions on CVs, interview skills, job search techniques. We run one-to-one -one support, guidance and mentoring to really get alongside people and find out what we can do to help. And I think that's what really differentiates us from other job clubs. It's just overcoming that initial step to take that step and to go along somewhere. It pointed me in directions, it gave me hope. It, it was saying, look, explore this, explore that. Where I was very limited and closed and said, I've done this all my life, that's all I know. So job club opened it up for me and said, hmm, you can do all of these. Was good in a number of ways. I think in terms of like the the actual support that you got, um, the fact that you were there with people in a similar position to yourself, it made you feel as if you know you, you weren't alone. As well as like time to concentrate on things like writing your CV or interview skills. I found it really really encouraging meeting people who were, who were also out of work. So we encouraged each other. It wasn't just the advisors encouraging. We encouraged each other. I'd recommend Cap Job Clubs for the friendship that they offer and for the specialist help that they offer. I think it's really balance of the two. Job clubs really work. Our first job club, five out of nine people got into jobs or self-employment. Cap Job Clubs run all up and down the country. We'd love to welcome you along to your local Cap Job Club. I hope you uh, heard that and tuned into the uh, Yorkshire accents that were up there. Um, CAP, as you know, is based in, um, in uh, Bradford. So, um, great. Can we have the slides up? That's lovely. So, Job Club is, is first and foremost about community. It's about building friendships. It's about helping people to share their stories and um, helping them to feel they can come and there's no pressure. They can just relax and we can help build them up. And we run a course uh, which runs for eight weeks. And that's, uh, that's a structured course. It helps people build their skills and strength, uh, put that into a good CV and do uh, work through them with interviews, interview techniques. So that's kind of the core part of it. And then we do a one-to-one -one coaching as well. So wherever they're at, we can sit down with them and, and work through what it is they want and where they're going to. And this is anybody off the street who's really looking for work. And then at the end, we have a big celebration because everybody 
in my experience, everybody who's come has been helped uh, with their... Um, in, um, words gone. Don't worry. They're helped and they, they build their confidence and they feel able to step out wherever they are towards work. So, um, oh, let's see if this thing works. Oh, good. There we go. Um, so we meet on Tuesday mornings and we've been meeting now for just over a year. We started in September of last year and uh, I've run the course um, termly. And in that time, we've, um, we've helped 12 people on their way towards work. And the good news is that six people of those, six of those have found work. So that's absolutely fantastic. Um, just a quick um, testimony, really, from a couple of those people. We had one man who uh, was made redundant uh, during COVID. He had a fairly high-powered managerial job. Um, and because he was really getting towards retirement, there was no way really he was going to get back into that sort of work. And he really struggled with that. Uh, and it took a, a lot of work with him. And um, he kind of disappeared off the radar for a while. And I spoke to him two weeks ago and he's got a job. He's got a job at Sainsbury's. Um, temporary job up to Christmas and then possibility of a permanent job after that. And that's fantastic because it's, it's really going to help build his confidence and, and focus on the future. And we had another woman who came to us who um, she was actually a, a Christian, a missionary, and she was settling back into this country. She had all sorts of issues with family and um, uh, accommodation. And uh, we were able to help her practically um, and helped her. God was really good. She got a flat in Alton in the end, and we helped her move in. And so she's set up as a, um, <clears throat> a coaching and... Um, Helping young people, teaching them uh, as a as, um, teaching them again. Sorry, words have gone, but it doesn't matter. She she's really happy. She's got her, the work she was looking for. She's got an income, and uh, we've really been able to support her on that journey. Bit unusual, but that's what we do because we regard ourselves as community, and um, and some of our people have come to Alpha too. So that's uh, really encouraging. So uh, we ask your prayer, really. Pray for the next job club, which starts January 24th here in the Maltings. And uh, pray we can attract more people looking, um, looking for work. The dynamics of the club mean it's really nice to have over five people. We've, we've never had that. But so uh, you could see from that video that once you get a group of people, they can start to relate to each other, and it has a, a momentum of its own. So really pray for that. And um, we, we praise God for our, for our team, the team of four regulars, um, but we need more helpers. So if you feel you might want to just sit in and befriend people, just sit and listen to their story um, and, and work through the course with them through their book, booklets, it's quite easy. Um, on a Tuesday morning, you'd be very welcome. Come and see me. So, and if you know anybody who needs a job, give them a leaflet. There's some leaflets on the desk. There's always leaflets around... Um, oh, come and see me. Thank you very much. Brilliant. Well done. Thank you. Fantastic. Should we just pray for that? I think it'd be good. I mean, Alice has just given us some prayer points. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, uh, just go for it in prayer. Literally, you've got a minute. 
uh, pick up one of those things, pray for new people, whatever it may well be. Father, we thank you for each of those 12 folk who've uh, come in on, into our job club so far. We thank you for the progress each one of them has been able to make. For the six have found work, Lord, uh, we're thrilled for them. Um, we do pray for those others that they will still make further progress and get to that place of finding work. And within that, Lord, we ask, reveal yourself to them. Uh, Lord, we see this as a way of, of serving people and loving people, and we're thrilled to be able to do that. But we also know that we want to help them meet you. Um, so we pray for those folks who have been part of our job club, that, that they will come to know you and love you like we do, Father God. Thank you, Father. You are a God who loves to change lives, who draws us closer to you. Uh, you're so good, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Now... If, if you've uh, been reading the update this week, you will be thinking uh, it's the wrong person preaching because the update said Nathan was preaching. And at 7 o'clock this morning, that was still what I thought was happening as well. Um, unfortunately, uh, Nathan developed a, uh, some sort of fever overnight. I'm not quite sure exactly what it was. Uh, was feeling fa fairly bad with it and then started to develop chest pains this morning. And so uh, he's been taken into Basingstoke Hospital. Um, uh, the good news is his heart's fine. They've done all the whatever that sort of stuff it is. So his heart is fine. Uh, the bad news seems to be they're not quite sure why he's getting this pain. And so they're doing blood work, whatever that means. Um, um, if you're medical, maybe you've got a better understanding of what that means. But I think it would be great just to pray for him and for Jules as well. So I'm going to lead us in prayer, but can you join with me in praying for them? And um, uh, yeah, and we'll say amen together. Father, we thank you for Nathan, Lord. Uh, he's such a gift to us as a church. Uh, we love him and Jules, and uh, we're gutted to hear that he's ill, and he's ended up in Basingstoke Hospital. And Lord, we pray for the doctors and nurses there, give them wisdom as they uh, work through what's happened. And Lord, we ask for your healing hand to be on him, that he would be restored to full health very quickly. God bless him. Be with him. Uh, be comforting him and Jules as they are together. Uh, be with the boys who are here with us this morning. And uh, be a comfort to them. I'm sure they're feeling very stirred up too uh, by what's happened this morning. So we pray for your peace and your love. 
and your healing uh, for this family, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, if we have any other news updates, we will uh, very definitely share those. So uh, I'm preaching from Nathan's notes. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to do this, but it isn't easy. Uh, and I've also got Nathan's PowerPoint, which means that when I go away from the notes, you'll know I'm going away from the notes because the PowerPoint will say something different. So a bit of patience here uh, may be required, and we'll try and muddle through on this one. The great news is, though, that we're preaching from the Word of God, and that's good, and that's accurate, and, and so that will guide us through as always. I wonder how you've found our preaching series in the book of Romans, working our way through the book of Romans. I hope you're enjoying it. We, when we started uh, uh, sensing that this was where we should be going, it was very much we wanted to get a big picture overview again, remind us of the enormity of the gospel, which is really what the book of Romans does. Now, of course, while it gives us that overview, there's also an enormous amount of detail which we haven't gone into, um, just purely because you can't do that in, in 11 preaches on the book of Romans. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, I've got commentaries by Martin Lloyd-Jones on Romans. They take up about that much of, the, of a, a length of shelf. Uh, and, you know, you know, I can't remember, 100 and something sermons he did on, on the book of Romans, something like that. And Martin Lloyd-Jones, if you don't know who he was, he was a, a very famous preacher from years gone by. Um, but I would want to encourage you, um, you may want to look at other resources. There's a, a great book written by a chap called Phil Moore. Uh, it's part of the Straight to the Heart um, series of Bible studies. Um, and he's done one on the book of Romans, Straight to the Heart of Romans, it's called, uh, by Phil Moore. Really good book. Sean's referenced it a couple of times. I meant to have a copy in front of you uh, with me today to wave at you, but somehow I got, that got lost in the chaos of this morning. Um, uh, and it, it's just got some really simple sort of three-page Bible studies. You can do a, a, each one uh, is a day uh, a, a day study. You can read it in 10, 15 minutes. Really good book. Uh, Tim Keller's done one on, on Romans as well. Romans for you, I think that one's called. Um, uh, uh, they're just good ways of digging in more to what we've uh, been looking at together as a church. Um, so this morning, we are going to cover three chapters of Romans. Uh, you may what? Well, they're three interrelated chapters, and so we're going to do a big overview of those. Uh, and remembering that what we're trying to do here is understand more about the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and, and the impact that has for us. So you may think that's an enormous amount, and it is an enormous amount, to be covering. As we do so, I just want to um, provide us with a bit of a reminder. Uh, Sean's previously spoken about the background to the letter or uh, to, to this letter, uh, the book of Romans, and how the Jews of Rome, uh, hence Romans, had been banished by Emperor Claudius, um, only to three years then later be returned back by Nero to Rome. And uh, the, this context is important because the, obviously they were part of a church in Rome, uh, then the Jews left, just leaving the Gentile believers, and they got on with life for three years. And then the, the Jews have come back, and there's so many more Gentiles, and a lot has changed. And so what's trying to happen here is Paul's trying to speak to both the Jews and the Gentiles, help them come on a journey together. So he reminds them 
uh, sorry, if we have the PowerPoint on, please. He reminds them of the gospel. He explains what the gospel is. And uh, uh, Nathan came up with this phrase, the gospel is God's outrageous sacrifice, providing eternal life. Um, uh, and you know, that's the essence of the gospel, actually. You know, God makes an outrageous sacrifice. He allows his son to come and die on the cross for us. This son that we celebrate the birth of just in a few weeks' time. We're coming up to Christmas. And uh, he allows him to come. And what's the purpose of that? Well, the purpose is to provide eternal life. But actually, within that, it's to provide a relationship with God. It's to create a way. It's to clear the path, to do away with sin and death that we can come back to God and know him and enjoy a relationship with God as our heavenly father. And that, um, so Paul reminds them of the importance of the gospel. He reminds them that God's righteousness is given through faith in Jesus, that it's not about works, it's not about what we do, it's not about uh, performing to the law or any of those other things. And these are uh, some of what we've talked through over the last weeks. Uh, but that we're rescued by grace. What's grace? Uh, great riches at Christ's expense is one of those acronyms used for grace. Uh, sorry, that's not on a PowerPoint. That wasn't in Nathan's notes. Um, and um, uh, just enjoying the grace of God, that we're actually we're saved by grace, an act of love by God. We can't earn our salvation. We can't win our salvation. All we can do is put our faith in, uh, in the work of Jesus who comes and dies for our sin, who uh, makes a way for us to be made righteous before God. And how do we get hold of this righteousness from God? It's a gift of grace that we put our faith into God, uh, God's provision in Jesus. And then Paul uh, develops that theme a bit further and says, because you are saved, then you are united together. He says, so actually we've all got saved on one basis. We're not saved because of our religious background. We're not saved because we're Jewish. We're not saved because we're Gentile. We're not saved because we're good or bad. We're saved because God has lavished his salvation on us. And uh, therefore we actually all come into Christ, all come into his church together, united by the grace of God. Not by works, not by nationality, not by status, but bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And so none of us are better than any others. And that's the sort of the essence of where Paul's got to over uh, uh, the last nine chapters or eight chapters of Romans. And then we come to these three chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11. And um, really these, these, these chapters are a reflection um, on what happened to Israel. What happened, so he's, he's particularly talking to the Jewish part of the church here. And um, oh, I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, and right at the end of these three chapters, he finishes with uh, what in your Bible may be called a doxology. He summarizes. So at the end of Romans 11, and this is what's going to come up on the screen now, he finishes these three chapters with this. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? 
For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. And so he summarizes what we're now going to look at with this wonderful expression of worship and delight in God, recognizing that God is far higher and greater than we're ever going to be, has far more understanding than we ever will ever have. Now, we've uh, sometimes used uh, some video clips uh, put together um, uh, by somebody called The Bible Project to help explain books of the Bible. And uh, I think if I click on this next slide, it will open a three-minute video. I hope it will anyway. Um, uh, from The Bible Project, um, uh, which uh, gives a brief summary of uh, these three chapters. So we're going to watch that together. Oh, no, hang on. Okay, thank you. Right. Hopefully, this is going to now just automatically run as a video. ...making it a place where his love gets the final word. Now, you can see how chapters 1 through 8 are one long flow of thought here. But it raises some other questions. If all of this was God's purpose, what is the current status then of Paul's fellow Israelites who don't acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah? How does this story fulfill God's promises to them? Well, Paul begins in chapter 9 with his own anguish over fellow Israelites who don't think Jesus is their Messiah. And it leads him to reflect on Israel in the past from the Old Testament story. And he reminds us that simply being an ethnic Israelite, a physical descendant of Abraham, never made one automatically a faithful member of the covenant family. Paul shows us how God has always selected a subset from Abraham's family to carry on the line of promise. And his point is that now that line of promise is carried on by those who follow Jesus. He reminds us that for a long time, people inside and outside Abraham's family have rejected God's will. He reminds us of the story of Israel and the golden calf and of Pharaoh's rebellion. He shows us how God was able to orchestrate events so that people's rejection of him actually accomplished his redemptive purposes. And so in chapter 10, Paul turns his focus to Israel in the present. The reason many Israelites reject Jesus is because they're basing their covenant relationship with God on their performance of the commands in the Torah. And so sadly, they don't recognize what God has done through Jesus to create a new covenant family on the basis of faith. And so Paul asks in chapter 11, what is Israel's future? Has God written off his people? No, he says. There are tons of Jewish people, including himself, who do recognize Jesus as their Messiah, but there are also a lot who don't. But God has been able to use their rejection for his own purposes. It's caused the gospel to spread even quicker and farther into the Gentile world, making the family of Abraham even larger and more multi-ethnic. Paul describes God's covenant family as a big olive tree, and the rejectors of Jesus have been broken off, so to speak, and these Gentiles are like wild branches that have been grafted into the family tree. However, Paul says, one day Jesus will be acknowledged by his own people. He doesn't offer any details about how. Paul simply trusts God's character and promise that he won't give up on his covenant people, which transitions into the final section of the book, chapters 12 through 16. But remember the big picture. Because of their faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles are now together Abraham's family, that new humanity that's being transformed by God's spirit. And so this is how God's fulfilling his ancient promises. Therefore, the only reasonable response is for these Jews and non-Jewish Christians to be unified as the church. 
Wonderful. Thank you. So, um, three things we want to just draw from, uh, three lessons we can learn from uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11. I think the first one, as we've just uh, been hearing about from Romans chapter 9, is there is a warning that we can learn from Israel's history that it's, you can have a relationship with God, you can even be called God's people, and yet actually end up being distant from him and not knowing him and not enjoying his grace and his mercy. And, you know, that seems to be the story. If you read through the Old Testament and the history of Israel, uh, particularly going sort of through the book of Judges and those sort of books around there and Kings and uh, various other books around there, it seems to be that God uh, uh, reveals himself to his people and they go, yes, we want to worship you. We want you to be our God. We want to follow you in all of our ways. And then sometimes just years later, they're in rebellion. And they're ignoring God, and they're worshipping other idols, and they're worshipping other things. And those things have become more important than their relationship with God. And it'd be really easy, wouldn't it, for us to go, oh, aren't they rubbish? I mean, hey, they, they enjoyed the love of God, and then they walked away from God? What? That's terrible. And yet in our own hearts, we're probably thinking, I do that. It's very easy to do that. Reality is our hearts can get captured by something else, get caught up in a uh, uh, pursuit of something we really want or someone we really want. Get caught up perhaps in a possession, trying to uh, get hold of and trying to achieve, uh, acquire a possession or a goal in life, and, and suddenly this goal, this possession, this thing, this person has taken the place of God. It's become more important than our relationship with Almighty God. So am I the only person here who's, who's done that? No, I'm getting some nods. The reality is we all can do that. We all can do that. And so there's a warning here in Israel's history, a warning which we all need to take hold of and recognize that it's so easy to wander from a relationship with God, to get distracted by other things, to get taken over by other things, busyness, uh, uh, fear, anxiety, all sorts of different things which can uh, come into our lives and stop us in our relationship with God, to distract us away from enjoying uh, what it means to have a relationship with him. And we need to also remember that that relationship with him is a relationship based on faith and grace. That we put our faith in God who is gracious to us so that uh, we can enjoy the grace of God as demonstrated in Christ Jesus. It's not about what we do. Because for some of us, we can get so involved in what we do for God that we lose our relationship with God. And friends, let's just see the warning which is in here. By looking at the history of Israel, let's not become like them. Let's not make God something which is formal and stuck. But let's keep God as a relationship where we enjoy him 
and delight in him, enjoy his love. You know, that's why worship is so important. It's a way of expressing our relationship with God. That's why prayer is so important. It's talking with him. It's nothing more than that. It's spending time with him, enjoying him, telling him what's going on in our lives, listening to what he may have to say to us. Yeah, prayer is a two-way conversation. It's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy to get caught up in busyness and all these other things and think, well, well, this is how I justify myself. This is how I make sure that God loves me. Well, I do lots for him. Uh-uh. No. No, this, is, this isn't what Romans teaches. No, Romans teaches we're saved by grace and grace alone. By putting our faith into God. In his provision, in his love, in his... Uh, provision for our lives in Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, our King, the sacrificial Lamb of God who comes to make a way. What's he come to do? To make a way to the Father that we would know the love of Almighty God, Father God, in our lives. Probably should have pressed this by now. Yes. Okay, there we go. The warning. Okay, the first point is there's a warning here. Looking back at the history of Israel, there is a warning here. But there's also a promise attached to that warning, which is this, for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. I just want to say, you may be here today and you think, I've blown it. I've done this too many times And I've blown it. I cannot any longer expect God to love me. And the answer is you can't, but he does. We can't expect God to, but the Bible tells us he does. That there's always grace in God. For somebody who genuinely is repentant, genuinely wants to come back to God, grace is available. God's lavish grace, this wonderful gift of his love. It's outworked in Christ Jesus' death on the cross. The grace of God is available for each and every one at every time. Friends, can I encourage us? Let's heed this warning. And let this warning remind us that this is about relationship with our Father in heaven. Not just about salvation. We're saved for a purpose. We're saved for a relationship with God. Let's enjoy that relationship with him. The, the second point in, in Nathan's notes is let's remind ourselves of God's kindness. Because actually what we see here is a story of God's kindness over Israel. That the father looks after Israel. Israel's history is uh, a story of God providing for, of caring for, of looking after his people. And that is so encouraging because uh, it means we know that God is uh, not only just, not only faithful, but he's also good and he loves his creation. That means all of us. And we can live in the kindness, the goodness of God. I'm not going to actually develop that point any further, but just to say, if you experience that kindness of God, if you know that goodness of God, 
let's also be a people who share of that kindness of God and of that goodness of God. Not because we have to, but because it's precious. Because it, we've benefited from it. <laughs> you know, if you get something good, what do you want to do? Well, you want to tell everybody else about it, don't you? You know, in these, in these uh, somewhat financially challenging times, you know, when you find the, fill the filling station, which is 5p a litre cheaper than anywhere else, you want to tell your friends about it, don't you? And that's only 5p a litre. So again, maybe I'm just revealing something in my own heart and character here. Hasten to add, these, this, is, this illustration is not in Nathan's notes. This is not a reflection of Nathan. If you go to a good restaurant and you have a lovely meal, what do you do? Will you, apart from saying thank you, particularly if you're not paying, um, you, 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 you tell people about it. You say, that is a lovely place to go out for a meal. If you see a great film, what do you do? You tell people about it, don't you? And, well, what have we got here? We've got relationship with Almighty God. With our sins being forgiven, being washed pure and whole and clean, Everything washed away, dealt with, done with, done for, permanently gone. And we get brought into his family where he cherishes us and loves us. And the Bible tells us he delights in us. We can, we've got security. We've got unconditional acceptance, unconditional love. We experience the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. I think we can probably tell others about it. I think, you know, we don't need to be too British about it. We can actually get a bit excited and go, yeah, I want to share it with others. And so as we see these stories of the goodness of God over God's people, Israel at that time, let's remember how much we have experienced Let's remind ourselves, you know, 23rd of January, 1983, I come to a revelation because of God's grace and mercy in my life that he loves me. I hand my life over to him nearly 40 years ago. I was very young. And uh, <laughs> I was a teenager. Uh, and, and I start writing in my di a diary I'd never written before. I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And I write it out like lines on a page of paper. Like lots and lots of times, I don't know, 20, 25 times. Why? Because for the first time in, in 18 years of my life, I knew that I was clean. I knew I was whole. I knew that all my past was dealt with. How precious is that? How wonderful is that? Let's remember God's kindness over our lives. Now, that wasn't the only time I've known God's kindness. I can tell you. Literally, given time, hundreds if not thousands of stories of the grace of God. And you can too. Let's remember them. Let's remember them. Let's encourage each other with them. Let's celebrate them. Let's share them with others. And the third one really follows on from this. It's about God's faithfulness. We see the faithfulness of God, his passion for his people here. And that same uh, passion for God's people, which we see in this passage, we can know is true for us too. God is passionately for us. 
He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. That's what Scripture tells us. He's not. Even in the uh, depth of Israel's rebellion, God keeps on revealing himself. Even to this day, he is revealing himself. For those who want to find him, he is there to find. Because he's faithful. Because he's just. Because he's good. Yes, because he's kind. Let's remember that he's faithful as we gaze on these lessons of Israel's history. Let's remember that God was faithful to Abraham in promising a people and a nation to literally come from within him. That's part of what's in this passage. A people of faith, a people with a promise. And we are part of those, that people. Because it, it's not about his uh, genealogy in terms of descendants. No, it's about being a people of faith. And we're part of that. If you're a believer in this room today, we're part of that people of faith. Because we know we live in the faithfulness of God. God was faithful to Moses in promising the deliverance of his people and a land to possess. And you know what? God's still faithful in delivering people and bringing them into a great place, a land of relationship with him. And for one day, we will be with him in glory. One day. He's faithful in that. God was faithful to Israel, the whole history of Israel, in promising a king that would rule with justice and mercy to rule eternally. King Jesus comes. The whole story of the Bible is a story of the faithfulness of God, of the goodness of God to his creation. And of course, at this time of year, we remember that very powerfully, not because of the commercialism, but because we choose to celebrate the birth of the saviour of mankind and the birth of each and every one of our saviours if we are believers in him. He can be your saviour today if you don't. God is faithful. We can bring our doubts, our struggles, our heartache, our questions, our concerns about the future, our pain from the past, our hurts, our insecurities, our longings, our hopes, our desires, our family, our friends, our children. We can bring all of these and so, so much more to Almighty God because he is faithful. And therefore we can trust him absolutely in all things, totally. And so friends, what do we learn from the history of Israel and God's dealings with the history of Israel? First of all, there's a warning, a very, very powerful, strong warning written through the pages of scriptures of that mankind's sinful desire, that includes you and me by the way, our sinful desire can take us away from God so easily and we can rebel against him and from him and the warning is friends be careful, be careful that you don't do that, be careful you don't get caught up in the things of the world such that you forget the most important thing, your relationship with God. But if you have, or even if you haven't, but are struggling with that temptation, which let's face it is all of us, let's remember that God is kind, he's just, he's good, and he's faithful. 
And he will bring us home to be with him one day as we pursue him and give ourselves fully to him. And so we come to the verses which we started with. And what I'd like to encourage us to do at this point is to stand. And we're going to read them out together. To celebrate what we've been talking about this morning. What we've been enjoying in our relationship with God as we've worshipped him and spent time with him today. And uh, so I read this to us before, so hopefully uh, you've got a bit of a sense of it already. But this is uh, Paul's conclusion of this section of the book of Romans because then he goes on to one of his great therefores, which we'll come on to, well, we've already looked at anyway. So let's read this together. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. Pause, pause. Just think about this before you read it out. Let it stir in your heart a moment. Isn't he good? Now let's say it together. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. I'm going to hand over to Chris at this point. And please don't forget to be... Thank you, Andrew. And uh, what a wonderful thread running through everything this morning... Uh, of the faithfulness of God. Uh, it was there in our worship. It was there from his word. Uh, it was there in what Alistair was sharing with us. Uh, it's, uh, it's great, that depth of love of God. Um, uh, and if something has touched you this morning, please don't go out of the building without following that up. Uh, have a word with, with Andrew. Come and have a chat with me. Uh, pray with somebody uh, who, uh, who, who's with you. Uh, or, or maybe follow this up in one of our life groups that meet uh, during the week uh, in various homes around the area. Uh, let's, not, let's not lose grasp of what, of what God has shared with us today. Uh, very quickly, one thing that uh, I want to uh, highlight, uh, and that is our church meeting this evening uh, at 7.30. Uh, this, is a, this is a meeting for everyone. Uh, whether you're a member, whether you're uh, just looking in, um, and especially, I'd really like to encourage uh, anybody who's who's joined us over the last few years uh, to come along. There's going to be uh, it's going to be a real focus on uh, what God has been doing here in the past and where that's leading us in terms of uh, looking at our future together. So that's at 7:30 tonight here. Uh, it'll be uh, uh, it'll be over by nine, um, so uh, please, I would encourage you to come along to that. Uh, as I said earlier, it's great having guests with us. Uh, hopefully, you were given one of these welcome packs uh, when you when you came in. We'd love to keep in touch. 
so please, inside there's a, uh, a Connect card. Uh, if you're able to fill that in with your details uh, and then drop it in the box over by the door at the side there or give it to one of the people with the welcome T-shirts on. Thank you. Uh, and uh, finally, it's gone 11.45, so parents, please, will you dash downstairs and collect your children? Uh, and we've got refreshments uh, over outside. Thank you.